e-commerce simplified by scale up hello and welcome everyone on today's episode of ecom simplified we are simplifying your way to accurate attributions and a better understanding of the customer journey with wicked reports scott de grossier with his firm belief in optimized spending on social media ads and experimental data driven discoveries he has been paving way for his clients to rule in the e-commerce world in this world where every move of yours is in the global eye he is lifting our co-sellers with his app attitude till then let us all dive deep and get wicked with scott before readjusting our shopping season campaigns so uh, so scott starting with the first question walk us through how is a very typical client at wicked reports and what do they use this platform mainly for sure a typical client is an e-commerce brand with annual revenues mm-hmm. between 500k and 50 million. So our typical <laughs> and our typical customers are spending 10k plus a month in ads and they come to us okay. because they need more clarity in their ad buying decisions. Uh because when you're when you're trying to, you know, acquire new customers in e-commerce, there's a customer journey that occurs and there's different channels that everyone's using to success or or lack of success. and you know data is a way uh if you're already a, have a decent product and a, and a, and you're good at marketing or you're working to improve then having the right data and a framework for how to act on it can give you a big competitive edge so that's how we that's how we operate so our our typical customer you know could have shopify woocommerce or they have a, a third party cart and they either wire up the api or they zap in the data and then they do a couple quick 1 minute integrations with the ad platforms and then they put our tracking script on their site and then our key thing we do is that we are pulling from the CRM and the cart and then combining the click data to sort and the cost data from the ad platforms to kind of build and assess the customer journey performance and give it to you in a way that you can act on and optimize your campaigns okay interesting that That sounds good. Okay, uh, why is attribution all that should matter in digital marketing? Well, it's hard for you to know where to keep spending your money or how to grow your brand if you don't know what's driving the business. And if you use uh, rudimentary tools or you know outdated attribution models, you're going to get told a story about what's working. and then when you try to increase your spend based on that and you don't actually scale your growth that's when you have to get serious about marketing attribution because you realize you're not getting the truth because uh, i have a, a one of our marketing things was around revenue overcounting and i went into someone's account and i went into for example their clavio account and it showed they'd made over a million dollars in email revenue and then their attentive sms that showed a half a million and then their google ads it showed 5 million facebook showed a million tiktok showed a half a million organic search so showed over a million brand it was it added up to like 8 million dollars but he had only made 3 million in the time period but if you just went in and looked at the individual reporting based on the different platforms that aren't built to do multi-channel multi-touch attribution you would think you were making almost 3 times the money I mean that's easy to fix you can just go into your you know Stripe account or your Shopify account and see you're not making that money. But 
where uh, but where it gets painful is that then when you're making decisions based on data that's bad, then you're going to get random results because data, when it's done right, it's, it's evidence of, of what steps you should take. Uh, how do you apply attribution correctly? So, so you know for a fact that you're comparing apples to apples or not oranges to apples. Sure. So a, a big thing is basing your attribution on real revenue and real sales. And because, uh, you know, the, how attribution came to be a, a category that myself and others have software solutions for is that simply providing a thank you pixel on your checkout to say I had a sale, it, it, that's not good enough technology to track your results. And that's going to doom you to fail. Sure. Because then whenever someone hits your thank you page from buying, all the different ad platforms and email and SMS and everything you're doing all gets that signal that says, hey, a sale happened. And then they put these horse blinders on and just look at what went on in their platforms and greedily take credit because that's how they're going to get you to use their platforms more and value them more. And you do need to do marketing. You do need to have all those platforms going generally. But to the, the degree to which you want to spend more or less money and time and effort uh, depends on the results you're getting. And so that is why that's the first thing is that you need to have good, actual good data. And then another thing we found when we were first building out the platform is that you need CRM data because otherwise the, uh, you think you, uh, if you run a, a campaign, uh, there's always the, the term match the message to the market is a common advertising jargon. And so if you run out and you think you're, you're, you're using a message, it's going to work differently based on how familiar someone is with your brand. And the use of the right attribution modeling to correctly measure the message results to the audience based on where they are in your brand's customer journey is extremely important. Because like a cold traffic, when you're, when you're advertising to cold traffic, someone that's not in your CRM yet, they're going to react very differently to some messages versus someone that's been a repeat customer and sees the same message. Some things work great on customers to get them to repeat buy and people that aren't familiar with you are like, who is this random brand trying to get me to do these things? I ain't going to do it. And conversely, think some people get tired of certain messages and get turned off if they've been with you for, you know, if they've already on your subscription or they've already bought two or three times, they don't want to hear the same thing. But that same tired message, maybe to even your marketing team, you're like, this is so boring. We're still saying it. But to cold traffic, it can continue to convert for months, if not years. And so you have to measure correctly. And so what we found in our, and we've released a new feature based on this, is that last click attribution means you're going to come in last place. It's not... It's, it's, it, it, or just doing first click is not good enough. You really need to use what we call middle funnel. And the idea is if you're in your Google Analytics or whatever you're using and you see your, your sales and you're going to see a lot of direct Google branded search, email and SMS, which is great. You're making sales or organic search. You're going to see a lot of those channels get the credit. And they deserve it as the last thing that happened or the final step. And they're good for using email and SMS. 
But really what you want to know is the click before the last click or the couple important clicks in there that drove them to then go close on your branded search. Because that's really what's driving those results. Or if it's email and SMS, what ad way back, maybe way back, hopefully not too long, it's tough to say, got them on those subscriber lists to begin with. And those messages are usually quite different, not always, but usually different. And that good attribution is going to stitch that together for you over time and uh, give you a big edge. Because if you're in Facebook looking at campaigns that are top of the funnel, they're not going to look that profitable. But if you we tie it to lifetime value and it may be insanely profitable, it just takes time to convert or they convert it on a different retargeting ad. And Facebook's not built to sort that out and they, they don't care to sort that out. They don't need to. Or maybe they do need to. That's what stocks fall. So that's where, you know, that's a big key factor is understanding that. So it's tricky because it's a, it, it's easy to get set up, but to understand it and apply it can take one or two cycles of your customers flowing through. And if people are just looking for an easy button that's going to make all their problems go away, which most marketing tools claim to offer, marketing attribution takes a little bit of effort, unfortunately, <laughs> but it all, it, if you do it, it generally always works. Right. That, that's a very good answer. Okay. Does the size of any organization impact the selection of their attribution model? And if, and if it does, in what ways does it? Oh, massively so. If you're, if you're a, a nine-figure brand, you're likely doing TV <laughs> or you're sponsoring heavy podcasts or in-person events or things that are more that are trackable, but a lot more tough. And so then you'll need to use models that include incrementality or ones that take into, which is take into account what's your lift in a current, current season based on your spend and your current traffic, how much lift are you getting from these things you can't quite track, which is kind of a whole science in itself to figure out. Um, and if you're a really small brand, like let's say under under a quarter million a year in revenue, then you can do more. Your things are basically going to do want to do a lot of lead based, contact based, subscriber based attribution because you need to be building your list as well. I mean, everyone does, but particularly a small brand, you can't just run ads to your store and wonder why no one's buying. You're a brand new tiny brand. You've got to get them on your list somehow with a coupon, a bogo. I don't know, the usual standard things to get them on. Contest. Uh, so you need to do subscriber-based attribution or lead-based attribution matters because it's likely you're not going to convert a ton of sales. Then you're going to get discouraged. But if you can get people in into your uh, you know marketing ecosystem with on the email or SMS, you can be messaging them that way and then look in the, in the CRM to see what's converting email with last click. So you can do a lead base plus a last click if you're really small. And then, the, and then when you're in the middle, which a lot of people are half a million to 50 mil, which is where we specialize in, you want customer journey. You need middle funnel tracking, and then you need top of funnel, and you need bottom. You need all three, and, around, and, and that's just how you need to scale. Otherwise, you're going to leave money on the table. Right. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, something you said really intrigued me. Uh, the subscriber contact attribution. Can you uh, explain that in a little bit detail? 
Sure. I have patents pending in that, so I can. <laughs> uh, I, I, back in 2013, <laughs> I invented a way to, yeah, I invented a way. To, it takes a long time to get a patent, come to find out. It's miserable. I don't recommend it. A lot of money, a lot of time, it's forever. But ideally, it's going to be very valuable. Is it right. worth it, though, getting a patent? Uh, well, to be able to have tech that's patent pending that you invented and that you researched and you know you invented it, there is some satisfaction there. Not as much as actually getting a piece of paper that says you have it, but there's some satisfaction in actually knowing I invented something in a field I've spent 25,000 hours in. <laughs> I should be good at it. It's a long time to spend on something. It's not really that impressive. You like should be good at something. <laughs> so the idea there is that, um, we, which we touched on some with last question, is that you're going to run, you're going to do marketing to get people into your CRM or your SMS CRM. And the idea, because then they're more familiar with your brand and it's a very key conversion point. Think about when you're running through your online daily activity, people want your email. You don't want to give it because you know you're going to be retargeted all the time. You're going to get a bunch of emails that might be annoying and then they might sell your info even though they all say they're not going to. Websites are going to scrape and know you've been there. There's a whole bunch of commitment. It's a big conversion. It's not the one you want, but it's a big one. And particularly for newer marketers, getting the lead conversion is a, it's satisfying because you know you're, you're getting a message that's working. And also you know what is interesting them about your particular niche. So it's a really important uh, attribution point, in my opinion. A lot of these e-com brands that just say, oh, they, this doesn't happen a lot anymore. But before this big first party data craze, the brands that were killing it were always still collecting. They do popovers on the site or they run ads. Let's say you've got an offer and you're going to offer your new customers 20% off some product. There's no reason you can't run an ad to a landing page and say opt in and get my exclusive 20% offer. And then when they submit it, just redirect them to the page on your store that's already live with the 20% offer. It's not like you got to really shield it because everyone's busy. No one has time to research and say, hey, wait a minute, I opted in and it was already available. No one cares. No one cares at all. So just by doing that, one, it's a very easy way to track, but also it gives you marketing, gives you momentum before you have the sales to prove it out. But the piece that I pulled in for the part of the patent wasn't, it was partially that, but was more that we mine the shopping carts for when you get this new lead in and the CRM. So when, when I, let's say you're advertising some store, I opt in with my email, Scott at Wicked Reports. I don't buy, but I came from some Facebook ad. And then a month later, I buy from an email. And now Wicked Reports, we mine into your Shopify or whatever store and detect that sale and then automatically map back the lifetime value for those lead attribution points because it takes time to convert those people, but the delayed revenue can be significant. And then when you're in the platform looking at the lead-based attribution models, people will report into, we have live chat support and we have Slack support for people. People will chat in and be like, Hey, I turned this campaign off and you show 20 something sales. We'll be like, that's great news. They just took time to buy, turn it back on. And that's like a missed opportunity that attribution can identify as these delayed conversions that can be huge wins because those audiences won't look profitable compared to in 
their ad sets won't look pro- profitable because they didn't convert in the seven day window or, you know, Facebook's always changing the window, but, but you'll know that they really are valuable. They just have to chain that particular top of the funnel ad with that email as your funnel. And you just know, you know, because the, the tracking and the attribution worked and then you can spend where other, your competition won't because it doesn't look profitable within the ad manager. Okay, got it. Uh, where is the point of difference in last touch and first touch attribution models? How are they each differently impactful? Yeah, for me, last click uh, is good, really good for email and SMS. Last click is going to get you in last place if that's all you use for your ads. Because you also need the middle funnel clicks, which we touched on already, so I won't repeat the whole deal here, but the clicks that lead to last click are sometimes just as important or more important than the last click's not going to occur without the clicks before the last click, the middle. So with, with caveats, I'd say last click with middle funnel is a great solution. Last click uh, with blinders on is not good enough. <clears throat> that being said, if your last click is, the idea is what was the thing they clicked on before the sale? because I'll just do more of that because that's what's converting the people. But that, that does ignore all the stuff before, which is actually important. It's rare someone's gonna, it would be quite the, quite the ad if someone sees an ad and immediately clicks and buys has never heard on it. It does happen some percentage of the time, uh, but if you can be profitable just with last click without looking at middle funnel, you have a gold mine because there's more people clicking that are buying and converting on a delay. So the last click is for bottom of the funnel, which means what is finally making them pull the trigger. Now, first click is what is initially bringing someone to my brand and then eventually converting. And this can sometimes, so we have a, a first click report where we look at all the times between first click to first purchase to help create a, a, a duration that you should expect when you're running cold traffic. Because if you're targeting cold traffic with your ads and you're saying, exclude my CRM list, exclude my cart, only show it to people that I don't already know about, we like to look at how long that's taken people to buy in the past. And generally, it's, it's often two weeks to four weeks. So that you don't run the ad and then after two days, you're like, oh, this ad stinks. I'm going to turn it off. Because if all your historical people have taken two weeks to a month to convert, why is this suddenly going to be different? So you got to use the same expectation. A lot of people turn off campaigns too quick. Not always, but uh, it happens a lot. And so first click is trying to determine how do I get initial eyeballs that become high value customers? Because then you can kind of, you can connect first click and last click. You've got the beginnings of a funnel. Then you still need the lead attribution and the middle funnel. Then you get those connected, those four then you've got, you've reverse engineered the customer journey and then you can scale. Right, okay. Understood. Uh, what do you think about the usage of predictive models for attribution and what kind of businesses do you think can benefit from it? Predictive models are very helpful, especially when you have enough customer lifetime value history and you have, and or you have a lot of a, a proven value, uh, lifetime value increasing over time. 
And so here's how we use this at Wicked Reports. We have it built in. We have a pre-optimization checklist. Before you're going to go make an ad budget decision, we have cohort reporting that shows your customer lifetime value. And so the idea is if by month three you've doubled the customer value because of a subscription brand, then you can predict the LTV as you get customers in minus your churn rate or your repeat rate. So in a simple example, I have two people that pay me $100 a month for two customers, let's say, that I acquire. 100 bucks a month subscription, and half of them are going to churn. So one's still going to be around. So I got 100 bucks the first month, 200 bucks the second month, 300 because eh, one person stayed. And then another hundred bucks a third month. You add it all up, it's three, four hundred dollars. So for two customers, I'm going to make. I only make two hundred the first month, but I'm going to have four hundred bucks in the third month because one of them is going to keep paying me a hundred bucks. So that's that predictive LTV you can use in your ad buying. So then if you have a, if you buy and you're just mildly profitable or break even, but you gain two two of those only two. I mean, hopefully a lot more, but let's just see the two. You know, the predictive LTV is you're going to double. And so you've really doubled your money. So you can keep spending at a break even because you know you're doubling your money looking at it from three months. And so that's the real edge that predictive gives you. We have a report called predictive behaviors that helps tie this together. And then we are our, probably our most successful client is an e-commerce supplement company called Umzu, U-M-Z-U. They sell supplements. And they use this. They're very smart, good marketers. You get also be good marketers. But they have a subscription brand, and they have a good product that people continue to pay for. So they know if they're break even, they can spend with both hands, like unlimited, because they're actually going to make a fortune on the back end. And so that's the power of predictive. Predictive can't always read people's minds, how many are going to convert based on the targeting. But based on your customer behaviors that's proven from your shopping cart history, you can then take educated risks on your, not really risks, but educated ad budget decisions because the predictive LTV is proving out that it's not a risk to spend on. Right. All right. Okay. So, yeah, basically it works if you have, all, uh, if you have data collected already, if, your history is showing you data about what works for you, essentially, right? Yes. If you have shopping cart data in customer history <laughs> that shows there is LTV lift over time, then predictive LTV can work fantastic. If you don't have a history, then you're at the mercy of the model, which may or may not be able to predict. How, like if you have a brand new store... Okay. You say, I'm going to sell, I don't know, jewelry, a lot of jewelry stores, a lot of makeup, a lot of food, a lot of pets. Those four have a ton of e-com. Well, just because some, some very well-established brand doing food supplements, like I just described, is making a lot from LTV, has no bearing on whether yours is going to, because we don't already don't know, is your product going to facilitate, does your marketing get rebuys? Is your product good enough that people want to rebuy and not return it? Are you reaching the right people? So all that factors in. But if you have like a year's worth of customer history, predictive LTV can be really powerful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what are the different types of costs associated with customer attention? And how can brands optimize these based on post-party data? So 
the customer retention is very important because that's how you can grow your brand faster is it's easier to convert someone that you already have. But also then as it relates to the cost, the higher the customer LTV, the more you can spend on your customer acquisition cost, your CAC, and the more you can spend on your top of the funnel lead, your CPL. And the more you can spend, the more volume you're going to get, the more volume you get, then it's like a self-fulfilling wheel, flywheel of growth that can happen. But if your customers are one and done, and the product is, an expen- is not worth enough value, you, you, you're just not going to su- I don't know how you're going to succeed long term. I just don't see it. It, it happens, but it's, it's that much more difficult. E-commerce is already a challenging battlefield. You don't need to make it more harder on yourself. So keeping the customers to rebuy is what allows you to spend more at the top of the funnel because you know, I don't need as big of a conversion rate because the ones I do, I mean, you always want to improve your conversion rate, but the, the more you're getting in at the high value, it's extremely important. I mean, there's, uh, I'm not an expert in the e-commerce tactics for retention. So I just know from a data perspective, those customers do a lot better because they have more value to work with. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Uh, what, according to you, is a suggested budget to start with for paid ad spends and the suggested percentage of profits to reinvest and to scale the business safely? So a minimum ad budget is, is, a, is, a, is a nuanced situation because it depends on how much uh, profit spread you have and how much bankroll you have to it. It's like if you're trying to do this as a side hustle, your budget's probably not that high, but you need, then you don't have much money to risk and you need, there's a lot to it because you need to start getting leads in that you're then selling. You need to build your list because I usually, I would not want to get started with less than 3000 USD, hundred bucks a day and be like, I've got to turn a hundred bucks a day, okay. not looking at it on a daily basis, but looking at a month. Can I break even? Cause I wouldn't expect to suddenly get rich on three grand. Not probably gonna. I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. And then you have to just start with that's a nominal risk amount that I would start with. It's three grand. That's it. That's table stakes. Hundred bucks a day because okay. the clicks are a lot more expensive now. Now, and if, and yeah. if you're just starting out and you're in Google, you got to look for long tail keywords because you're not going to be able to yeah. probably bid on just the noun. Like us for marketing attribution, it's like thirty something dollars a click. We have a decent budget, but we, I don't bid on just 30 something dollars a click. I mean, that's, you go look for more in higher intent. So doing your research for higher intent, I'd almost focus on one Google high intent keyword and just try and make that one convert. So what happens is you got so many things going on when you're new, trying to do 10,000 things. When it goes into paid ads, I just pick one channel and one little niche and message and try and get that to work. Uh, not start Facebook and Google and TikTok all at once. Pick one, try and get it going. Okay. Uh, what are some popular crucial mistakes people make when spending money on Facebook ads or on Google ads? The biggest one is a lack of understanding of delayed conversions. Because I mean, particularly in uh, well, on both Facebook and Google, we see all the time people that convert, and the clicks took a lot longer than a week, and that may mean the timing wasn't. They filed it away. Like you're selling. We have a popular brand, GetMainLobster.com, sells lobsters delivered to your house. 
So they're excited about the deal, but then they got to plan out the meal. So it takes time. And then you might convert them on another channel. And the other thing, so the delayed conversion time is, that's how we were founded. And that still holds up everywhere. People take time to buy. They do. Not every customer, but the profit. You can break even, make a little money right away, but the big profit comes the delayed conversions. That's a big misunderstanding. The other thing is the interplay of the channels. Like paid can work, Google search can work really, in, I should say Microsoft search works extremely well, underutilized, particularly for older demographics. Search works good at the bottom of the funnel. Social works good at the top of the funnel. Again, those are general statements. They're not, every brand has some unique experience that doesn't always line up, but social at the top, search at the bottom, YouTube works everywhere. And email and SMS are, are critical as well. So you, you really need an email and an SMS game combined with a, a traffic option. You need those, you need, or at a bare minimum, you need email and some source of traffic. So people uh, only paying attention to one and assuming it's driving everything. You know, it's generally a, a complement of at least two channels. So that would be another factor. And then the third one, when it comes to marketing attribution, is you got to follow a framework for acting on the data. Whatever, whatever you decide to use to determine your results, you can't go in there and be reactive. You got to be proactive with the plan. So for us, it's the funnel vision framework. We spell it out. We train people on it. Our reps are trained on it to teach people how to do it if they don't want to follow along. And then we trigger it in the tool because that's half the battles tracking. The other half is acting. And so we spent a lot of time on that because, I mean, you just, you need to. I mean, that, it's not as simple as just, hey, it has good ROI, spend more. So some nuance that's really important. Those are, I would say those are the biggest that I've seen. Okay. As a follow-up to that, do you have any particular tips that you think can help increase the ROI on the digital spend? Um, I think capturing first-party data is underrated. I know it's become more popular now, but I think it's extremely underrated. I think it's really important to, because you can always, I think the biggest tip is capture the first-party data and redirect to the deal that you already, if you're already running ads to your product page with some sort of timer discount or whatever, whatever it is you're trying to incentivize them, run first party data capture ads and redirect to the same product page because then you have that audience that you can try to convert on other channels. And then you have the, you know, that email that you can then use, then it's your data to reach out to them in all the different ways or target them all different ways. And that is extremely important. And those audiences are more accurate or, and they perform better. Retargeting always performs better. Anyone comes post online, showcase, trying to brag, get more clients online. It's always retargeting. And the reason why it's always retargeting is because it's easier to convert people that are already familiar with your brand. And so capturing the data to begin with is that's the, that's the, what makes the retargeting work is getting them in the door. I guess the other thing is really focusing on top of the funnel because top of the funnel is hard. So if you become an expert at top of the funnel, you're always going to, if you're a media buyer, you're always going to have a job. Everyone needs help top of the funnel. You go to someone, how's your top of the funnel doing? Most brands, they don't know. 
they're not really doing it much, or it's not doing well. <laughs> Usually, not always. Yeah. Because you need something that's going to feed the bottom, and it's the top that does it, and that's the hard work. It's the harder spot. So I would say you focus on that, you make yourself indispensable. Really. Okay. Uh, how do you think uh, marketers can plan the ad spend for Amazon uh, to get sales from there and expand? We have an Amazon attribution product, but I do not have experience in strategizing on Amazon performance. So, Okay. Where can our listeners find you online? Wickedreports.com. Or you can go to LinkedIn, look me up, Scott DeGrossier. I got a long spelling of a last name, so you have to grab it from the, the show notes. But LinkedIn <laughs> or, or our website are the best spots to find me. And we do have a pretty active YouTube channel, Wicked Reports. Okay. okay. Awesome. Cool. And uh, what's the one takeaway or advice you would want to give to our listeners? Focus on first-party data. It's, it's, uh, as, as the regulations get more strict, your data becomes that much more valuable. And so you want as much of it as you can get. Okay. And uh, I think the last question most of the data game in e-commerce is basically getting uh, the time between a person coming to your brand for the first time and uh, the first purchase to as long as possible and uh, making them repeat customers and making them stay in touch with the brand. So is there any specific pattern to get these timelines to the lowest possible? Well, yeah, you, you reverse engineer. Uh, there's patterns but they're usually unique to your brand. So the, you, the, the general pattern though would be social to get them in, email and SMS to move them along and search or email SMS to close them. But each product and the brand messaging and how you communicate and who you target impacts that. And then trends change, things get, you know, everyone is, uh, there's a lot of marketing sheep Someone posts online, they get a great idea. Everyone does it over and over and over again. And then customer base gets burned off by it. The market gets turned off for the same strategies over and over. So it's imperative that you get to know your customer's journey of what is most enticing that makes them go from cold to the CRM. And then what excites them when they're in the CRM to move towards purchase, and then what finally convinces them to pull the trigger? And then from a retention perspective, what gets them to come back if you have a product that can do that? Those are distinct conversion points that'll be distinct for you as a brand. So a lot of a lack of success is, I'm gonna follow this, you know, you, you can certainly learn a lot of things online, but there's unique things to the way you're talking, to your market at those points, that that's why some people succeed and some don't, even though people copy what everyone else does. You didn't take the time to figure out <clears throat> what was unique about your particular customers that are happy. Because you gotta find out your best customers who raves about it, find out why they did, and then go look at the people that repeat buy, then go look at how you acquired them and do more of that. Because that's how you're gonna build a, a successful, sustainable business not from just trying to always do hacks or tweaks or these, you know, tips help, but then you got to modify them according to your personal experience is my experience. That's what I'd say. 
after such a hearty discussion i'm sure our listeners will be well ahead in their games and uh, that's it for today's edition of ethong simplified uh, we'll be back soon with yet another amazing episode to help you ease your journey into effectively selling and simplifying e-commerce thank you so much